That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sowing the seeds of cannabis and sounding the praise of our favorite plant, it's time to Hemp Resent. Our radio resident Hempo sapien Vivian McPeak will present a weekly platform for guests and listeners to Hemp Resent about hemp and cannabis from the legal, activist, and reformist route. Let's round up and roll it up for our headmaster of hemp, Vivian McPeak. Present Hemp No Therapy for the Cannabis Enthusiast, bringing you weekly dispatches from the front lines of the struggle for cannabis equality and taking internet radio to a new high. Hemp Present is the weekly radio show where you can get your PhD in THC because you don't just want to burn it, you want to learn it. I'm your host, Vivian McPeak. I am the executive director of the world's largest annual cannabis policy reform event, the Seattle Hemp Fest, in its 25th year, found at hempfest.org. I'm also the author of the book Protestable, a 20-year retrospective of Seattle Hemp Fest from AHA Publishing, also found at hempfest.org. Transmitting from a fortified bunker under a ramshackle reefer radio warren at an undisclosed location deep within the rumbling bowels of underground Seattle, my goal is to spread the green flame of 420 truth in 30-minute increments. Today's guest on Hemp Present is Seattle writer David Schmader, who will be with me in about a stoner's minute. But wait. Marijuana! Cannabis! Weed! Whatever you want to call it, it's back, big time. Well, it's not really back because it never really went anywhere. It's been lurking in its own nefarious shadow for some time now in virtually every community in America. So let's just say that cannabis is enjoying an unusually high profile, even for weed. Cannabis has come out of the closet, both figuratively and literally. After many years being the butt of the joke and the fall guy for can of bigotry, the frumpy, deadbeat, green-skinned slacker who's still on the couch after eating all the pizza, is going through an image makeover, and you might be surprised by what he looks like. He's kind of hot, that pot. As the barbaric and draconian utter catastrophe of prohibition begins to crumble from foundational rot right beneath our feet, decades of ridicule, marginalization, relegation, and character assassination are vaporizing like e-cigarette mist into the air as prohibition's moldy old memes start to fade into the background of cultural irrelevance. Chillax, America. It's just weed. And cannabis culture and cannabis commerce are inextricably intertwined. This new emerging growth industry and potential globe omega trend called cannabis has so much to offer a mainstream society that knows little about it other than lies and fabrications. Books are coming out, of course, on the subject. And some of those books are telling a more accurate truth. A book that I enjoyed reading because of its weedy wit and cultural camber is Weed, A User's Guide. 
It's writer David Schmader lives and works in Seattle, Washington. From 1999 to 2014, Schmader served as associate editor at Seattle's Pulitzer Prize-winning Newsweek, Newsweekly, The Stranger, writing the column Last Days, The Week in Review. Recently, Schmader became the creative director of the award-winning nonprofit writing center, the Greater Seattle Bureau of Fearless Ideas, where he also serves as writer-in-residence. His book, Weed, The User's Guide, is being characterized as a definitive compendium of all kinds of recreational medical marijuana information. And the writer, David Schmader, is with me now in our virtual Hemp Present studios. Welcome, David, to Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio. Thank you. Nice to be here. My usual first question is how were you first introduced to cannabis, but I already know a little bit about that because in your book, you mention a specific Mexican dinner at 19 years old that cannabis primed your sensory apparatus for. Can you briefly talk about that? Were you already imbibing in your late teens? I had tried it in early high school and I thought I was getting the experience. It was mostly, but I realized once the the thing you're talking about, the 19 year old is when I really, it was probably the 10th time I'd smoked, but the first time it really landed. I know I'm not the only person that kind of had a, a bumpy connection. I think the high school smoking I did was mostly about doing something naughty and countercultural and cool. And, but the buzz didn't quite really land as the creative, wonderful, life-enhancing force that I now love until that 19-year-old Mexican dinner experience. Yeah, do you hear that from lots of people? Or is that a kind of common trope This that you smoke a little bit and it doesn't quite connect with you until it does? You know, does? to be honest with you, I didn't get – I didn't feel anything for maybe the first two or three times that I smoked. Yeah. And then on ninth grade or eighth grade, some girl asked me to get high after work and I got so high – that walking home, I forgot what town, what city I was in because <laughs> I had just moved. I actually had to sit down on the sidewalk for 10 minutes and gather my, my senses about me until I remembered where I was. Yeah, so I, I did the you know high school and college and it was very fun. But there was really – it didn't really become a creative thing where I realized, oh, this is a, a very different thing than I've ever been told about from the government or from any sort of teachers of in my late twenties, just as far as imbibing art. And then even eventually, you know, there's a, there's a phase of writing brainstorming that it's very helpful with. It's a crutch and it's a shortcut, but crutches and shortcuts are wonderful things. <laughs> yeah, kind um, of what, what, it, what it does for me is it kind of helps me block everything else out and focus on really intensely on one thing when I want to. Yep, it's that real shortcut to immediate presence in whatever you want to focus at. And I'm sure I could get there other ways through sitting meditations, even like a couple minutes of it. Or I often wonder if I just took all the deep breaths, I would take off a bong just out of the <laughs> air. <laughs> a number of deep breaths, I would have the same centering. But I love my crutch and I'm not giving it up. You go into how to obtain cannabis in your book, and you dedicated your book in part to weed dealers who have, of course, made the cannabis culture possible for many decades. You even go into detail on how to treat your dealer, which I really appreciate from the perspective of much earlier personal incarnation. But now suddenly we often hear the black market presented as a dangerous, even criminal element by some in the legalization realm. What does the commodification of pot mean for the pot dealer? I know people who have zero job history for decades who are suddenly unable to pay their rent. They're unfortunately kind of the casualties. I hadn't thought so much about the actual people. I've thought about, oh, we've lost this whole culture of, or we'll eventually lose the whole culture of fuzzy green sweaters and the lingo and all of this kind of 
having to go visit a dealer and meet someone you might not have met of any other way. And it was, and I would meet interesting people waiting at my dealers too. But you don't get that from a rec store, do you? No, you're all just in there and out. It's more like going to Bartels or a drugstore, you know. The um, but it, your point is, it's that, that feels just like a really unfortunate casualty of progress. And I, I guess the dream would be like, oh, they'll all go get legal legal weed jobs. But we know that's not as straightforward as I only just made the it young, sound. cute ones. <laughs> Dang, I know, and mostly white. Yes, isn't that interesting? Your book is perhaps the best condensed idiot's guide to cannabis use and culture I've seen so far. I particularly enjoyed your part about methods of inhalation. And after decades of experimenting with chillums, pipes, bongs, and even fruits and vegetables since I worked in kitchens you know, when I was young, I've really turned to my roots again as I've been primarily a joint person for the last maybe 15 years or so. What are your chosen intake methods and why? I have gotten really – I figured out edibles for myself and I've, I love it. I feel so free <laughs> of dirty bongness and a lot of more smoke. But I really like a nice, reliable edible and because we have the full legal market here, I can get what I need pretty reliably. When I do smoke on occasion, when I do want like – there's something about just the bong hit. I will use a bong. <laughs> what's, the, what's the joint appeal for you? A few things. First of all, I'm a germaphobe and I don't like to share – I don't know anybody who would say, hey, who wants to eat off my plate? Does anybody want to eat with my fork in a room full of people? Or, hey, hey, can I pass my drink around the room? You know. Um, But we don't (laughs) think twice about sharing our germs smoking weed. So I'm a germaphobe and when I can smoke a joint, I can hold it so that my lips don't touch the paper. Um, But I can't do that with a pipe. It's just kind of all wet and slimy. So that's that's one thing right there. I also I like the the taste of weed is really important to me, and I just seem to always get this you know with, with a pipe like the first toke is green and after that it's kind of not. So that's my my scene. Uh, as far as eating, you since you like eating pot, what is the edible death loop? The edible death loop is about the failure of patience. Oh, it's most oh the edible death loop exactly is when you um, eat something. It's kind of for more in the when you're in a state that still has prohibition and you're doing your homemade brownies and you make something delicious with your medicine in it, with your weed in it, and then you get the munchies and there's something delicious you can eat right there. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you don't need more medicine. And it tastes good tastes- right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Like- you don't have to wait for it to taste good. <laughs> so you end up and eating too much that- of it and you end up getting tragically baked. Yeah. And that's that feels like it's such still – I get calls like once a week or emails once a week from people who are still having – falling into that marine doubt hole of just be, surprising themselves with s- severe over highness because of an edible. Um, and I think you've seen around here we've gotten really precise with the commercial edible stuff where a single serving is 10 milligrams and they break it down like that and it's wrapped individually. And but the key just is patience. Weekend, patience. Yeah. Right. Which is not an easy thing to ask of someone who's seeking escape. <laughs> right. You've got to be a real grown-up about it. And I I just wrote a column for The Stranger. I'm, I'm writing a weed column for them now. And it was about really how to do the patience and that you should set aside a day that you're not necessary that you're kind of ambivalent about getting high. So you can figure out the basics of how one, one serving of edible hits you and you have to wait 
two and a half hours after each each dose to even begin thinking of maybe supplementing it if it's not what you want. And it's laborious and it's way better to devote a Saturday to it and give yourself little doses and do yard work and figure it out. And then you'll know for the rest of your life exactly how to proceed with edibles. You know, you know what, HempFest, I recall several years ago asking a police sergeant we were working with, the, hey, could you guys help us at all with the people selling brownies and pot all over the event? And he goes, why? Weeds never eat brownies and never killed anybody. And we actually had to educate the cops saying, actually, what we see in our first aid more than anything at HempFest is people who didn't drink anything, smoked too much pot, didn't eat anything, and then they ate a whole bunch of weed and they think they're dying. And they're like, oh, there's heroin in the weed. I'm dying. And it's like, no, you only feel like you're dying. Anybody who's never ingested too much cannabis probably has no concept of how uncomfortable it is. It's a big deal. I, and it's re- I just had to talk someone through this this weekend, kind of through text messages. It was a friend of my brother's, and he was texting me like, what should I tell her? And it's like, you can't believe your feelings and thoughts. That's the unfortunate kind of uncomfortability of being over high is your body is going to tell you you're dying or you're already dead or somebody dosed something. But really, you're going to be fine, and you just need to look at cat gifts or take a bath or whatever it is that makes put on a good record man and when it's over you're probably going to start feeling better yeah and drink a lot of water and eat whatever you want just be super nice to yourself because your brain is going to tell you wrong information for a few hours i am speaking with david schmader the author of weed the user's guide a 21st century handbook for enjoying marijuana we're going to do as we always do on this show and take a quick pause for the cause because there's Laws here. Word from our sponsors and advertisers. Come right back with more from David Schmader. Time to roll out for the people that let us hemp present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town. Only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers. From a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the board, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him pink, that's the point. Download and play while you life yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. <sighs> cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash. And I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay. Tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase and gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. Pay quick. The safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Get ready to hear something good about cannabis. I give you 
Jasmine Huff. Tell us a little bit about Jasmine. Give us the good news about how you've gotten to where you are today. Like all good children, I rejected my parents' values and and ran off to become a capitalist in New York City and did a lot of work with an organization called Women 2.0. Looking at the cannabis industry, I said, you know what? Here we have a brand new industry. It's going to be a billion-dollar industry. And the rules of who leads this industry and who funds this industry haven't been written yet. Good news. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we're back on Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio with author David Schmader. David, you cover everything in Weed, the User's Guide, including the, the world history of cannabis, how the endocannabinoid system works, dosage ratio breakdowns depending on your experience level, medical uses, how to roll a joint, how to clean your bong, so much more. Is there anything that you wanted to get into the book that you just couldn't squeeze in? I didn't it, – it's pretty light on medical. It's kind of a light overview, but definitely this is a book for recreational users with a little bit of – this is what people who care about medical do. But beyond that, the thing I really – when I was touring around with it, I was like, ah, oh, I can't believe I didn't put in any mention of hot dog bun garlic bread, which has been the salvation <laughs> of so many high people who come home to a nearly empty refrigerator and think, <laughs> what am I So hot dog bun garlic bread, never forget. <laughs> Speaking of that, well, what kind of research did you do when preparing for Weed the User's Guide? Did you like stock up on Mighty O Donuts and Dick's Burger Fries or did you go out and purchase a new MP3 lib- library? I mean, honestly, how exhausting is it to write the book about getting baked? And were you baked when you were writing it? Occasionally I was. I'm a, a pretty high-functioning, high person by these days. And this was so some so definitely some of that was written while I was high. It was written during the cr- kind of crazy wild west between legal and medical here in Seattle. So there was still that big galaxy kind of weed mall on Rainier. Do you remember this? It was yes. um, it, uh, so I they have a kind of cafe there next to the dab bar. So I sat there and wrote a lot of it and just would get diet. Cokes and little dab hits when I needed them. And as far as the research beyond that, it was a lot of recalling specifically, like breaking down my own experience of what the feeling of being high is like. How do you explain that to someone? Once you've done it, you just call it being high. But what do you, how do you explain it to someone who just, you know, the Martian who landed on Earth and having to get precise about that, which is just like writing anything where you just write about the little, break it all down to the tiny actual right. physical components. Just internal analytics, right? Yeah. And beyond that, it was just a lot of a lot of reading and kind of thinking of like what are what's a lot of it was knowing what I didn't want it to be was okay. We don't need another um, kind of jokey pot culture on the inside. Like this is naughty counterculture. I really wanted it to be more like a guide to scotch, you know. Just and that's um, what I that's what I appreciated about it. Um, I didn't learn much from it personally even though I very much enjoyed reading the book, but it seemed like it was written for people that wanted to find out about weed, which, which is unique. Yeah. Yeah. Just stuff that I would like, there's, there's so much misinformation as you know, and just what, what can you do to steer people? I just think there's, I hate when people are denied pleasures because of lies and I'm gay. So I grew up during a time where I have like a backlog of anger about that, of being told a bunch of crap about what same sex attraction was and how it was. And you should feel very guilty and ashamed because you're bad. So when lies – people are kept from like true adult 
happiness making maneuvers from lies, I, I, that seems like a type of bullying that really gets my back up. And weed was another way for me to come out swinging of hello, smart people who enjoy your lives. This is a, could be a wonderful enhancement for your life. You've been told 20 years of garbage about it. So when the time's ready, here's some just basic facts and why you might like it. And it, it's not proselytizing at all. Cause no one likes weed doesn't work on everyone. Not everyone likes anything, whether it's coffee or aspirin you know everyone's stomach responds differently everyone has different mental comfort levels even so it's more just like if you think this is a thing you might like here's the smart way to investigate it because everybody likes freedom of choice right? yeah you you have like recipes and everything uh, do you actually cook cannabis foods david or were you just throwing a dash of martha stewart in with a sprinkle of brownie <laughs> mary and baking on 420 degrees till crispy <laughs> i'm not a big fan of the of the food and weed combo thing. I think it's a really bad way to get medicine. Serving sizes are personal. Every time I've seen an experiment with this, it always seems like it's a recipe for people to get over high. I just listened to a, um, the Sporkful is a podcast, and they got uh, Jad Abamrad from Radiolab, very smart guy, and they all had a chef prepare them a meal full of THC foods and just sampling, they all ended up at home three hours later, way too high. So for like having a nice dinner party that involves weed, I will go with a joint before dessert or before serving because then you're high lands and you get to share it. There's something about serving weed-based food to guests that's like having a cocktail party where they do a tequila shot and then you send them home before they're even drunk. Because You know, I, I completely agree with you personally. I've never, ever – smoked so much pot that I felt that, like I was unable to function. But yeah. many times I've eaten too much pot. In fact, frankly, I avoid eating pot personally because for me personally, I just found it to be very hard for me. I either don't feel anything or I'm too high often. Yeah, um, So I just stick with, with smoking it mostly personally. And with newbies, it's it's very kind of – it's counterintuitive. You would think like, oh, the cookie is certainly more benign than the flaming bong, but it's not true. Like when you smoke it, you get your results way quicker. You can gauge your dosage way more precise and how you're feeling. So getting people to realize that just because it looks like something you're familiar with, like a gummy bear or a cookie, <clears throat> eating wheat is a different experience. Your liver turns yeah. it into the harder drug. There's and and if, you, if you smoke too much, you can wait an hour. And yeah. you're probably feeling much better if you eat too much, man. You're you're on a journey for a while. <laughs> I know. It's. I feel like there might be some sort of new profession. Maybe the out of work dealers can turn into kind of like over high doulas that can kind of take care of people. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's a whole new job for us. In, you ask in your book if Jesus was a stoner, and I have to say that I was recently interviewed on this very network by Stoner Jesus. So I think we've cleared <laughs> that mystery up right here. You go into well, the varied, you go into the deep and varied history of cannabis throughout the ages in Weed the User's Guide. Ganja is really it's as old as God, you might say, or the concept thereof. What surprised you when researching Pot's checkered past? There was, I guess, the thing that surprised me the most was the the why. The wild marijuana fields of New York City and Brooklyn, I guess, in the 20s and 30s. Wow. <laughs> there was just a, a ton of weed growing, and there was a big burning once it was prohibited. And I'm sure, like, we know that burning still wet 
weed doesn't really do so much for you, but what a day that must have been of just burning this entire, it, it was a city block that was, I guess, full of marijuana plants. Wow. I was, I was shocked to find out that where the Pentagon sits right now was previously the U.S. Department of Agriculture's hemp fields up until they built <laughs> the, the Pentagon. I mean, the history of cannabis is just totally fascinating. Yeah. But to move quickly I, along, I have so many, I don't have a whole lot of time with you, and I have so many great questions. So let me just move along. You have a great chat, you have great chapter names like on paranoia or why won't that dog stop judging me? And if you're high and don't like it, uh, what's that last one about? Are there people using pot that aren't enjoying it, or are they so high they don't realize how much fun they're having? I think there are people who don't like it, who don't – all those feelings that you and I are like, that's exactly what I want. That takes me exactly where I want to go. Um, people are different and have different brain chemistry and where the negative effects just overwhelm the pleasures, whether it's paranoia or anxiety. And we all know the reasons why cannabis triggers that. Like it sends errant danger messages to your brain. Like your brain sends out false messages of that you're in trouble sometimes for people who are there high. And it was basically just that chapter is geared mostly to people who have, who eat too much and get too high. Because like you said, when you smoke and you get too high, it's, it's pretty straight shot to being not that high anymore. You just sit around or and it's an hour, but with eating, you have four or five hours to kill during, well, during which you're having kind of a low level panic attack or maybe a high level panic attack. And it's kind of just all, the tricks I've ever used on a friend or heard people using about when you're over high, what do you do with your four hours that are terrible to make them not harmful actually, and also not as terrible as they can be. And it's a lot of that, like pet your cat, take a bath, let a friend rub your back and tell you it's going to be okay. And that your brain should not be trusted right now. And I guess I also kind of think like you, someone might read that and be like, I don't know if I want to try this because it is a possibility. You won't like it. No one likes everything. It seems like different people have different brain chemistry, and some people get a lot of anxiety from pot and paranoia. Mm-hmm. Other people I've talked to, it just makes them sleepy and kind of sluggish, which frankly is what alcohol does to me. I am yeah. talking uh, still to David Schmader, the author of Weed, the User's Guide, a 21st Century Handbook for Enjoying Marijuana. We're going to take another quick pause, hear a word from our sponsors, come back for our final questions. Don't go anywhere. Time to roll out for the people that let us have present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. The Vuber way. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Thousands of cannabis professionals convene this August in Portland, Oregon to the city responsible for half a billion dollars in cannabis commerce. The Portland Expo Center hosts Indo Expo, August 6th and 7th. 
Endo Expo has seed to sale covered all weekend long with educational seminars and over 250 exhibitors. Lights, nutrients, trimmers, extractors, greenhouses, cutting-edge grow gear, genetics, smoking accessories, and more. Free admission for buyers, store owners, and MJ industry professionals. Visit www.indoexpo.com. Educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. And I'm here to clear up the myths about cannabis and burn them away with science. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Dr. Kevin Hill. You can't ignore the fact that, like alcohol, most people who use don't have a problem. So I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we're back on Cannabis Radio for the last questions for author David Schmader, author of Weed the User's Guide, a 21st century handbook for enjoying marijuana. David, cannabis still has its share of rabid, foaming-at-the-mouth fundamentalist haters who see pot as a threat to the sanctity and the sovereignty of interstellar security. What would you say to the people who still say that cannabis is a threat to society? Uh, the people that I have heard this do this most recently are people – well, it is Chris Christie and Carly Fiorina who both kind of came out with that early 80s throwback anti-weed talk during the debates and it was – shocking like who are they trying to impress and luckily i they're not people i respect i think they're both garbage people and i have no respect for their opinions now they're like my book is one of many i hope that now there's so much alternate information that anyone who is being sold the complete monster myth about a plant will have easy at least their path will cross with actual facts that would get them at least out of the lie world of everything the government has told them about the evils of marijuana. I did. And it's one of the reasons I I wrote the book. I want people to like kind of boring everyday successful stoners to kind of come out of the closet and help change the image and just get the facts and the facts of successful, happy human lives that also involve marijuana out there. Just it's kind of similar to the gay movement where when it was only the leather guys and the drag queens when only the kind of exceptional outliers were the only gay people anyone knew and then for years the only stoners anyone knew were Cheech and Chong and it's like no the accountants and the boring stoners need to come out and change the image God I've always said that if everybody who smoked cannabis recreationally had a big green pot leaf on their forehead their neighbors (laughs) and everybody would be shocked to see how many people they interacted with every day that got high but they couldn't possibly talk about it do you have any favorite strains that you like I'm not a big strain person. I'm I'm just simple with sativa when there's stuff to be done. And I kind of get high off of all of it. Don't you? Yes. <laughs> my my thing is, I it all kind of gets me high. You know, I'm, maybe I'm not as uh, the minutia of sensibilities as some people, but uh, but I'm I'm kind of the same way. I just I have strains that I kind of like, but I just kind of like all the pot. 
David, thank you so much for being on uh, Hammer Present on Cannabis Radio, and thanks for all the great years writing at the Stranger Magazine. Uh, Local Guy Makes Good, Weed, the User's Guide, a 21st Century Handbook for Enjoying Marijuana by Sasquatch Books. Uh, Any parting uh, thoughts? Quickly. No, thank you so much for having me. It was really nice to chat with you. All right, man. You take care, and we'll see you on the flip side. All right. Thanks a lot, dude. Now I want to get to a weekly feature on Hampersand on CannabisReader.com, and that is the quote of the week, and here it is, and I quote, I think that marijuana should not only be legal, I think it should be a cottage industry. It would be a wonderful for the state of Maine. There's some pretty good homegrown dope. I'm sure it would even be better if you could grow it with fertilizers and have greenhouses, and that was author Stephen King. That concludes this installment of 10% on Cannabis Radio. I want to thank my power peeps in the control room, Hannah and Brasco, and all of the Cannabis Radio sponsors and advertisers. Join me next week for some more reefer repartee and cannabis confabulation with some special sapien on our journey to justice. Because when it comes to prohibition, you've got the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice, so find yours and speak up for justice. Because resistance is fertile. Until then, my friends, stay strong, stand tall, and take it easy, and don't forget to email me at present at gmail.com someday someone's going to email the him present theme song take back the plant is performed by stickerbush and sung by a much younger version of myself turn up the music maestro i'm out marijuana The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.